Live from Mexico City, this is The Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley. And good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Tonight we're talking about a load of things, uh, but mainly about uh, attitude during work, you know, po- staying positive, but also how to avoid toxic positivity. So please do text in tonight. Welcome. Live from Mexico City, this is The Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley, this evening. It's 10 o'clock in the UK. It's 4 p.m. here in Mexico City. Welcome to The Late Late Show. Tonight we're going to be talking about, well, pretty much whatever you want. Please do text in with whatever you want to talk about. International education always seems to come up a lot. But we're going to be talking about, well, mainly my experiences with toxic positivity and how to avoid it. Uh, This came up from a thread from uh, a Twitter thread posted by Tom Rogers, a TT radio head honcho Um, you can tell my spanish is excellent there (laughs) so uh, and it was mainly about bemoan like you know criticizing the amount of toxic positivity that kind of permeates through the profession and that people aren't allowed to feel stressed or upset or anything along those lines it reminds me a lot of i think it reminds me a lot of what's the best way to describe it there was a simpsons episode and yeah i'm sorry but all my references are going to be simpsons references uh but yeah there was a simpsons episode and i think it was like in the first or second season and what i like to call the dark phase of the simpsons it was when it was finding its feet there were some weird things like i remember in one episode bart cut a head off a statue and then a lynch mob went after him i mean like in nowadays he you know it's pretty prescient actually it predicted the future again um but there was one episode in this where Lisa was clearly suffering through depression and things like that. But the best bit of advice that was given throughout all of this was that she said, like, she just felt sad and things like that. She didn't know why. And the best bit of advice was given to her by Marge Bone. If you want to feel sad, just feel sad. And you're, you know, like you're allowed to feel sad. And I think we need to, as educators, understand that as well. It's something that permeates a lot through the profession that, you have to be happy. Everything has to be amazing the whole time. And I think it is also a a, a symptom of obviously, oh God, I'm going to sound like a teacher talking about the internet, but I think it is a, a symptom of social media and places like Twitter, like Instagram, where you have to, particularly places like Instagram and things like that, where you have to be having the best time all the time and sharing those things. And to the same extent, people don't post, you know, the bad times that people are having and things like that. For me, I would have to say that I've actually not really experienced that much toxic positivity in the profession. Um, I've experienced a lot of toxicity or toxicity. Is that the right word? Well, toxic behavior in the profession, particularly when I was working in the UK. Um, But that would definitely like skew towards the more sort of toxic just behavior in general, like a bullying culture, a culture of, you know, high demands and not respecting people's work-life balance and things like that and i will say that since coming to the since coming to teach abroad 
I would definitely say in particular the school I'm in right now, that they really prioritise people's work-life balances. And I think that really has an effect as well on sort of positivity in general, or like, our, like we have a very positive sort of attitude to things, but at the same time, it's not, you know, if there's a problem, we'll identify what a problem is and try and fix it. The best example I can give of people, uh, the best example I can give of people, what's the word? <laughs> oh God. Well, the best example I can give of toxic positivity is, I think I replied to Mr. Rogers' uh, t- uh, tweet on this, is if you want to see the best of humanity, watch a marathon. But if you want to see the worst of humanity in terms of poxic, to- poxic to- toxicity, great Great work there, Rich. In terms of toxic positivity, got there in the end, go and watch a 5k race because that is the worst. And that's speaking to me as someone who runs a lot and does a lot of races. um, I've basically stopped doing 5k fun runs because they're filled with, I can't use the words on radio, but they're filled with not nice people, people who are overachievers, let, let's put it this way. There are a lot of great people who do 5Ks. I'm not belittling people who do 5K races. And if you are you know, just getting into running and doing things like couch to 5K, uh, anything like that, yeah, go for it, absolutely. But what I find is that I used to run 5Ks a lot. That was like my go-to race. Um, and I decided to try and go for a relatively fast time. That was like just before the pandemic. And I got the time I wanted. It was at altitude. So I was super happy with my goals. I'll go for a 5K run uh, uh, like in the park or whatever. Absolutely no problem. But on a race day, it is just filled with people who do the. Cl- There's some classic 5K like newbie behavior that I call toxic positivity. One is just the random cheerleader who wants to like cheer everyone up as they're going along. So they'll basically like talk to everyone and be like, come on, you're doing great. It's all in your mind. And I'm just there going, it's a 5k race, dude, just chill out. Uh, or like trying to like, you know, motivate people. And the worst I see is that there are some people like who are, cl- it's clearly their first race that, you know, like they're struggling because it is the race day, you know, like, you, you know, they may have not, you know, trained sufficiently or not realized the distance involved. You know, they're, they're struggling for one of a better word and absolute respect to those people. That's like, you know, you, you're doing it. But then there are these kind of like cheerleader people who just really try and G them up and things like that. And the last thing you want during that time is someone just randomly kind of shouting at you to do something. It's the last thing you want. The other thing that the 5K newbies do that really bugs me, and this is normally sort of toxic masculinity more than like toxic positivity, is there's a certain type of gym bro that will ruck up, like try and push his way all the way in. Generally, it's men will generally try and push right to the start of um, to the start of a race. And like sometimes these races can be big. You know, you can have several thousand people doing a 5K sometimes, especially in Mexico City. So they'll bundle their way through or the race will have started. You're starting off at your pace and they'll blitz past you, like cut you up, essentially, as you're like sort of like as the pack is thinning. And you can just guarantee that by the one kilometer point, they'll be walking. And it's just because they, you know, they think, oh, I've got to run everything. So, yeah, that kind of attitude really, really bugs me. And it does filter out all the way through. I remember the first race I did pre post post lockdown uh, was a race here in Acapulco and it was a half marathon and I wasn't in the right frame of mind to do it. Um, I finished it, but I didn't have a good race. and I just wanted to finish it, but this was September of last year. There was still quite a little bit of nervousness around a lot of people about COVID here. Uh, the vac- you know, I'd only had like one dose of a vaccine. 
Um, people were still a little nervous. The vaccine rollout was relatively slow. And this race was in Acapulco, but it was an area called Acapulco Diamante, which to describe it is we to describe the type of people who live there, we normally say they're fresas, uh, which literally means strawberries. And it's because they've got that kind of red blotchy strawberry cheek kind of thing because they're very middle class and a bit posh. Uh, so basically the race was dominated by people from either from Mexico City who were fresas or fresas living in Acapulco. Uh, and it was just full of people like taking selfies and all of this kind of stuff. And I remember just struggling and I was struggling a lot of the 5k point because I hadn't trained properly at all. And like someone tapped me in the back and was like, come on, you can do it. And all of this kind of stuff. And I was like, I've run a marathon before. I'm just having a bad race. Just leave me alone, please. I don't, you know, also it's COVID time still right now. I don't really feel like I want a random stranger patting me on the back for motivation so it just kind of put me in a bad mood but yeah anyway we're talking about toxic positive i still can't say it properly toxic positivity in the profession particularly in education what have your experiences been um primarily i've seen it in terms of oh, please do text in you can either text in or you can tweet in uh on the our handle on twitter is at tt at tt radio 2022 um yeah, please do text in or tweet in anything along those lines uh, about international education, newbie runners on a 5k race or toxic positivity, whatever you want. Um, anyway, yeah, so my main experience of this kind of um, situation in the profession is, I would say it's mainly from CPDs and from external sources. Uh, I don't really know how to handle it, except because I think, I think the best way to handle these kind of people as aid just don't give them a platform i think that's the best way ironically by giving them a platform now i'm, I'm aware of the irony um but yeah i would just say along these lines just kind of just ignore them essentially that would be my best best advice anyway but yeah for me the main thing is in work i've never really experienced that too much with co-workers maybe it's because secondary science teachers are all such a cynical bunch um we're pretty realistic about a lot of things so maybe it's that um i don't know maybe it's also uh, maybe it's a generational thing maybe it's because i'm teaching with uh people who are you know pretty realistic about things that we don't really have that problem i suppose um in terms of where i've really experienced it the most it's on cpd sessions and it's this kind of you can't be tired you know don't be sad you've got to give it your all for the kids kind of attitude which i understand to a point but you know it you know i love my job but at the end of the day it is a job so if i'm gonna feel rubbish about something i'm allowed to feel rubbish about something and you know i don't need to be forced to be cheered up i would say for me the hardest thing is the the flip side is having people who are consistently negative and i don't know there's just some people who i don't i'd like to just say to them have you worked in a school like because everything that people complain you know there's always that one person who will complain about every single little thing and i'm just there like but you've, you've worked in a school before yeah because this is like you know pretty standard what you know to, to go on about them um, luckily that's not any of my colleagues right now thankfully um although we all you know i think a lot of people every now and then will like to have a moan but for me the best way to deal with that kind of negativity is to essentially avoid toxic positivity. And it's to do things along the lines of, you know, just sort of propose solutions to people. So if someone's feeling a bit, you know, like critical of something negative about something is to well sit them down and acknowledge the problem to start off with. Um, 
and to you know acknowledge as well how the how people are feeling if you know if if someone's in a terrible situation or is in an awkward situation acknowledge them pat and say yeah i'm sorry that must be awful i can you know i would say as well and this is something coming from someone who has uh bereavement training and grief counseling and things like that is to never say in those kind of situations i know how you feel uh or oh yeah um or oh yeah I, something exactly like that happened to me because that belittles the situation the best way is to say like yeah i under you know i i can, I can understand what you're going through or something like that or um, you know be sympathetic and empathetic absolutely but there's certain ways of approaching it and then if there are you know solutions to those problems don't just rattle off what you would do unless people actively look for something so say something along the lines of you know like what would you propose that we do or i'd really like to hear your opinion on how we can resolve this and things like that that's kind of like the best way to kind of fix those situations anyway i can hear a cat is here and what we're going to do is just briefly pause for a commercial break and the news and then we'll be back uh with more teachers talk radio This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn. U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot U-K. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. 
In Scotland, the Scottish Liberal Democrats have lodged 25 questions to the Scottish Government about plans to tackle ventilation in schools. One question asks about the health and safety impacts of the plans to chop the bottom of classroom doors off. Willie Rennie, the Liberal Democrat education spokesperson, said, This has been a torrid week for the Scottish Government. Its plans to improve ventilation in schools have been exposed as totally lacking in scale and detail. It is now two years since the virus arrived in Scotland. The lack of action on the part of the Scottish Government to drive ventilation improvements nationwide is leaving pupils and teachers shivering. The Scottish Government said it had provided councils with £10 million for ventilation and carbon dioxide monitoring, as well as the £5 million recently added. In England, teachers have warned that the release of advanced information on exam subjects for GCSEs and A-levels to mitigate the impact of the pandemic comes too late and may not be enough. Exam boards have said previously that they would release the advanced information now rather than earlier in the academic year so that pupils did not cover a narrow curriculum. Mary Bowsted, National Education Union Joint General Secretary said, there are grave concerns among teachers of exam groups that this will not be enough to fairly mitigate the disruption these students have experienced over two academic years. There is just one half term left until Easter, close to when exams begin, and little time to rush through any content. Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi said, that exams are the best and fairest form of assessment and that the information published will make sure students can do themselves justice. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safe Internet Week with the official day being on Tuesday the 8th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre is questioning whether gaming online is all fun and games. They ask young people to explore respect and relationships in online gaming. A lot of schools may be having drop down days and you may be expected to deliver an online safety lesson. This is great, but are you confident in your knowledge? There's nothing worse than having to teach a lesson out of your comfort zone, especially when you're discussing a topic where the learners may know more than the teacher. Saferinternet.org.uk, the brains behind Safer Internet Day, have come to the rescue with a series of films under the heading of Virtual Assemblies on their website. Starting with a story about in-app purchases getting out of hand for 3-7 to seven year olds, and then for 7-11 to 11 and 11-18s to 18s, having a discussion on online behaviour and respect. This resource is informative and will allow those of us that are less confident to play the film and facilitate a discussion. As always, if you're going to use an online resource, make sure you've watched it first to make sure it's appropriate for your pupils. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
and we're back online sorry i had to mute myself because while i was listening to the news i just i just burst out laughing i was just there like so so the scottish plan to ventilate classrooms was to cut the doors a little bit is that right like what the okay that's you know like i that's bonkers. I mean, like, yeah, you can even hear Bored in the background laughing in derised laughter at that. So the plan was to just basically cut open the doors. Well done. Have another Tunnock's tea cake there. That's that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I mean, like, it's not like they've had two years to think about this or anything. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, like, to be honest, ventilation here is pretty straightforward. We live in Mexico City. It's not that hard for us. Um, Yes, it does get a little cold. In fact, it was raining here a little bit earlier. So like temperatures did drop down to, I would say, around 10 degrees. Uh, so, you know, not, you know, chilly for sure, um, particularly if the sun's not hit your room and things like that. But you can definitely have, you know, your, your classroom windows very open. Um, you know, a jumper will be sufficient to deal with that kind of cold and things like that. Um, also, benefits of being in a private school, obviously, is that we're able to afford things like, you know, CO2 monitors and things like that. Although the my uh, my my year 13 students being physics students have decided to game the system because they know if it jumps up to a certain point we'll go outside uh, so if it goes up to a thousand i believe we have to go outside uh, so they realize that if they sit nearer it even with the mask on it's going to increase the co2 level so it got to the point where they were all just like standing over it like every few seconds while they were asking me a question which i thought was pretty impressive uh, but also we actually i actually used the co2 monitor in teaching as well because we were doing moles um and so we were actually trying well, i was teaching moles to my ib physics students and we were going to try and work out how many moles of co2 were in the room and we were using the idea so the number on the on the co2 monitor is parts per million basically so then we were going to try and work backwards to work out how many co2 molecules are in the room and then work out how many moles of co2 molecules are in the room uh, oh yeah you can do another load of cool experiments with co2 monitors one of my students was doing a the best one I've seen, and I've seen this on Twitter somewhere, and someone's going to have to share it with me, but the coolest CO2 monitor experiment is to basically get two CO2 monitors. Um, obviously, you've all got loads lying around, I'm assuming, because there's not a shortage or anything. Um, but yeah, get two CO2 monitors and then put one in with a in with a, uh, a plant of some kind and seal that off in a see-through clear plastic bag and what will happen is the co2 levels inside of the bag will go down as the uh, as the plant absorbs the co2 uh, so yeah it's a really really cool way of showing uh showing photo like photosynthesis and things like that i've even had like a level students use them while they've been looking at uh, respiration and things like that in uh, in biology experiments uh rogers uh rogers history has just texted in to say hey rich hey there Hey Tom, how's it going? Hope everything's okay. And so, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Uh, yeah, but hope you're all doing well. I'm just sort of despairing at the news. A door cut open for ventilation, classic stuff. And then what was the other thing? Oh yeah, that the exam. The, I've seen the latest eruption on Twitter, mainly because of uh, science papers. That the uh, the science notifications or the notifications for what's going to be on in the exams in the UK is pretty shoddy to say the least. Um, to give you some context, the International Baccalaureate, one of the exams I teach, uh, which is like the the equivalent of A-levels, it's key stage five. Um, we were given the information of what was going to be covered and which exams were going to be removed uh, in May 
of last year or June, July of last year. We basically knew in advance of this start of the academic year. Um, it was a real shame because a lot of, you know, like for physics, for example, we had some, uh, we had the astrophysics top topic removed, which is always a bit, you know, it's always a really interesting topic to cover with the students. Um, but the IB being an international organization, and I have my criticisms of the IB, don't get me wrong. Um, they were very slow to react at the start of the pandemic, um, but they realized, all right, okay, this is an issue. We've had a lot, you know, students off, you know, God knows where and all of these kind of things. So let's, this is what the exams will be. And the exams will be like, we'll remove this aspect, this aspect, this aspect. You can tell your students that you just need to teach this content. And it was a shortened content. And the idea was that, you know, the IB realized that we were in a global pandemic and a two year trauma for a lot of the students and for the teachers. And that we had to, um, they had to basically trim back what they were what the content was not because you know they wanted to make it less academically rigorous or anything like that but because they realized that teachers haven't been able to successfully cover all of the content because online learning is just not the same as as um as learning in the classroom physically or presentially so and i can see it now like um you know i have you know maybe about 80% of the content that I need to teach, or actually about 90% of the content that I would need to teach. I think that's fair. Um, and one exam paper removed. So I've got 10% extra, you know, time to play with. And I'm still pushing it to be finished in time for when the students go on study leave. And normally I would not be. So that's a, yeah, I just, uh, I don't understand why British exam boards can't understand that these students have gone through a crazy dramatic time and just we're not trying to make their life easier but we're trying to make their life manageable anyway you're listening to the late late show uh with me rich wrigley we have been talking about toxic positivity and how we can sort of um sort of deal with that what well, i'd love to know what your experiences were with that as well please do text in we've been then <laughs> sorry i've just been still giggling at the news why did they think just cutting the door off a classroom door like trimming the bottom of the door why would that make it i don't why would that make ventilation any better <laughs> it's just like oh god it's just painful uh i don't know you know it's painful just watching it over here i goodness knows what it's like experiencing it at point blank rage in the uk but anyway yeah you're listening to the lately show with me rich wrigley this evening um and yeah we've been talking about many many different things uh <laughs> please do text in Sorry, I still can't get over that. That's just absolutely bonkers. But yeah, anyway. Um... Oops, sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, please do text in. What have your experiences been? Particularly my experiences for like toxic positivity. I honestly don't have that many, but it really, really bugs me. Um, and it's something that, you know, particularly in education, sometimes there's certain people that can kind of rub you the wrong way and it really kind of... It can just really affect your your mood and things like that. But to be honest, for me, the main thing is uh, the main thing for me is actually experiencing uh, you know sort of negativity and how to sort of manage negativity as well. Uh, please do text in with your questions. Um, we've got a few here. Let me just grab my notes so we can read through a few of these questions here that y'all have been texting in. Uh, there's actually a few on international education as well, and it says like here. Um, in terms of work, like you mentioned, someone just texted and saying you mentioned work-life balance being pretty good at your school. What's the what, what experiences have you had with work-life balance in other schools as well? And I would say in terms in terms of that, like I think it's I'm very fortunate that the school I've got is really valued people's mental health. 
Um, they really, really valued it in terms of during the pandemic. Um, like I've mentioned many times before, we were teaching online for 18 months and it really, really, <laughs> it sucked. And because of the Omicron variant after the winter break, we had to go into two weeks of online learning, uh, followed again by two weeks of hybrid learning. We've just been able to get all students back in school uh, right now, which is absolutely fantastic. And I think that's improved everyone's mood no end. Uh, but in terms of during home learning for those 18 months, we really prioritised teachers sort of mental well-being and screen time and then that had a knock-on effect as well with the students so we implemented some things like you know please don't email past 3 p.m which was when teaching hours finish and things like that please don't email past this time um unless it's an absolute emergency or things like that and so like i wouldn't email my team at those times to be honest i would probably communicate with the head of you know the heads of, like my senior leadership team afterwards via, via email and things like that but you know it did make a it did make a, a massive difference in that respect. Also, we limited uh, the amount of time that you ha had to be on a Zoom call for. So we did a, ha but instead we originally started with one lesson on Zoom for the full period. So for the full 55 minutes for us, and then another lesson of just independent work for the students. So you would just, you know, set them a task, either explain it to them at the end of last lesson, you know, the lesson that was on the call, and then you would have, uh, some free time that worked really nicely for me um, but the problem was is that we did that in like March of 2020 and so we had to do it very quickly and organize it and we had days where some teachers were online the whole time because it would like rotate and then they would be offline for the whole time another day but then that also happened to students as well where they'd be either online for the full day and then twiddling their thumbs another day it worked up until a point um, it worked you know it worked from March until you know, it worked for a couple of months and we were able to like fine tune it as we were going along. Um, but then the other thing was um, the once we got back into like sort of the academic year 2020 to 2021, we, we realized it wasn't going to work. So what we did instead was 30 minutes on the Zoom call, 25 minutes independent work or, or thereabout, like 25 minutes independent work or 25 minutes Zoom time and then half an hour of the other, essentially. Um, and then we found that worked really, really well. The problem was it worked really, really well for teachers. I think the problem was that it was really hard for us to get any meaningful feedback about the work, uh, like how long it took the students to do work. And because you're not in a classroom, we would set some work and it would just be, we would think, yeah, that's going to take 15 minutes. Oh, it's going to take 20 minutes. So, so yeah, def they'll definitely do it in 25 minutes kind of thing. Um, but our students are so polite that they wouldn't say anything and they'd just be like working crazy hard, trying their best. And they'd only be halfway through a task and they're like, oh, I've got to finish it. I've got to finish it. I've got to finish it. And then you've got like, you know, six lessons in a day and all of those independent activities have overrun by, you know, 15 minutes that, you know, that leads, you know, to another couple of hours of extra work for the students almost. Uh, so that was the hardest bit for us. We did so basically have to like really shorten it down to the activities we had to do or, you know, I would make it an ongoing project or something like that. Uh, but that, you know, those kind of things really benefited us and then benefited other people. In other schools, I would say the work-life balance is pretty much, I, I, in every international school I've worked in, the work-life balance is better than any any school in the UK, uh, hands down. And this may be just because I have a very negative experience of schools in the UK, uh, because, yeah, <laughs> there's a reason why I'm teaching internationally. Um, but yeah, I had a, 
in general, I would say that, yeah, the work-life balance is very good. The hardest factor is uh, parents can be a lot more, well, I, I don't know, parents could be a lot more demanding. I don't know if that's fair to say. Uh, but yeah, parents. some parents can be a lot more demanding. Parents are very supportive as well, which is absolutely fantastic, uh, especially the school I'm working in. This, I've, I think in the several years, I don't think I've had very sort of many, you know, when I've had to have difficult conversations about, you know, students' performance or students' behaviour in class as a, head of, as a head of faculty or, you know, in previous roles, you know, in, as, just as a classroom teacher, I would say that, you know, as long as your communication was open and clear, then it was um then and as long as you don't like sort of leave yourself to any kind of miscommunication or misinterpretation then generally like parents are they're very invested obviously because they're paying school fees and things like that uh but they have a very you know they're very amenable that's the right word to say yeah they're very amenable to you know helping their you know their child learn basically if there's something wrong or something an issue with behavior they'll you know they're generally very supportive uh, but they will expect a lot more from you i would say than parents in the uk who like a state school parents for it for example um so i would say that that is like a a big factor there for sure anyway uh i've run out of things to say i'm sorry folks i've run out of things to say i have no idea what to say uh so we're going to wrap it up there i know i'm finishing 20 minutes early i'm really sorry folks uh but this has been the late late show uh with rich wrigley bye everyone